that sounds so crazy. I've done so well, you know, um, up until this time, as far as just remaining calm and being chill in stressful situations. And um, this was it. Yeah, if you're wondering what that was, well, that was my breakdown in Italy. And I'll tell you all about it. You're listening to The Heidi Roo Show, a podcast that features female leaders, creators, and innovators. But instead of a guest, this episode, I'm sharing my stories from my time in Italy. It's the last episode of the Italy Chronicles, a series featuring interviews with Annette Joseph, a stylist that renovated an Italian fortress. And now she holds different creative workshops there from styling, food, antiquing art, and photography. I also talked with Chef Philip Meeker, who Annette brought in as the fortress chef, and he has achieved quite the culinary resume. And then, of course, the Style My Life workshop instructors that were there, plus attendees, Barbara Petrozzini, a stylist who used to style fashion shows in Milan, and now is a prop stylist with one of the biggest interior design magazines in Italy. And if you missed any of those episodes, you can just click the link in the show notes or you can scroll through to episode 72 through 76. But in this episode, I'm going to share what led to my breakdown, of course, my greatest fears going into this trip, what I learned, like how olive oil is made, the way Italians process their flour, and the thing Italians do that immediately led to a change in my marriage. Yeah. Plus, you'll meet some of my friends that met me in Italy and how we navigated traveling together and hear some funny stories. Let's start off with my fears going into this trip. First of all, they were driving in Italy. Mm -hmm. Being prepared or planning everything, especially because I had to bring my podcast equipment and traveling with others because two of my friends were meeting me. So the issues with preparing and planning were... First of all, making sure I could have all the backups that I needed for podcast recording. If I forgot one thing, that would mean no podcast. And that's the whole reason I was going to Italy. And of course, number two, ease of travel, because I was bringing my equipment. I had to pack super efficiently. I could not be carrying a bunch of pieces of luggage, plus the cars are so small there. You're never going to believe this, though. For the first time in my life, I packed all my clothes, toiletries, even a hairdryer, shoes, everything for 11 days in a, get this, carry-on. Yep. And only one outfit was used twice. If you want to know how I made that happen, well, I wrote a blog post with my strategy, and you can see the link in the show notes. And the last part of planning or preparing was, so the second half of my trip when I met up with my girlfriends, it ended up to be a little nerve-wracking because The only thing that we had set in stone was where we were staying for five days. Now, I did buy a train ticket for Cinque Terre ahead of time, but, y'all, I'm a planner. And the one thing I wanted to make sure I saw in Florence was the David statue. And we had no museum ticket. Everyone kept saying, you have to get it in advance because you'll wait all day long in the line. And we got into Florence on Monday. We were leaving on Wednesday. And, of course, Monday... No tickets were left to see David. Somehow, we found a guided night tour for Tuesday night and all worked out. Somehow, everything seemed to work out, even though it wasn't exactly planned like I like, which is a good lesson for me to learn. And when traveling with others, I always want to make sure that they get to do what they want to do, but I also don't want to sacrifice what I want to do. And I don't want to overimpose my, like, planning OCD. So that leads to my other thing that I was fearful of, traveling with others. Okay, probably 
anxious is a better term, but I'll be real with you, okay? Going to the bathroom is something it's hard to do when traveling, right? I hope I'm not alone here. But especially when you're sharing a bathroom with two other girls. So I was nervous about that. which everything did work out, don't worry, and also wanting to balance making sure that they get to do what they want to do and I get to do what I wanted to do. But before I go any further, let me introduce you to my friends. So I asked them why they decided to go on this trip. I knew the first five days I'd be at Annette's Fortress during the styling workshop, but I really wanted to stay longer to explore. And since Mike wasn't going going to be able to go, Brooke and Beth, my friends, said they'd love to meet me in Italy. So I was so excited. So I asked them to tell you a little bit about them, what they do, and why they decided to go. So here's Brooke Cornwell. I would describe myself as witty, wacky, and wise. I would also describe myself as... Um, Hmm. A uh, adventurous woman. Great. Yeah. Job. I'm great. an actress. And what are some of the things that you've been in? I've been in television shows such as uh, Rectify, The Resident, um, a few others that are coming up that I can't talk about, and then also some films, which I love films, and such as Iron Man 3, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Great. And then uh, you and your husband own a business together. Will you tell us about that? Sure. We run a business called Get Taped. It's a taping service for actors in Atlanta. So with all of the work that's coming through, actors need to have their tapes sent to the casting directors, and we provide that service for them. Awesome. And why did you come on this Italy trip? Uh, God told me to, basically. Heidi was uh, doing an Insta story about her trip to Italy, and there was just something inside of me that was just like, you're supposed to go. And I uh, talked to my husband, and he was like, go. So here I am. And Beth Pilgrim. I would describe myself as fun and um, spontaneous and adventurous. For my job, I, I'm an actor and I'm a makeup artist. So I work in film and TV for makeup primarily. Um, and as far as acting goes, I mainly book commercials and then I do um, a fair amount of internet sketches, <laughs> like comedic internet sketches. So I wanted to come on this trip because last year I was so busy and I think it's so trendy and cultural to be like, oh, how are you? I'm so busy. I've been busy. But I actually wanted to take a break from being so busy and I worked super hard last year and I wanted a, an adventure and so when you mentioned this I thought I, I, I want to go can I go and just invited myself along and you were gracious enough to be like yeah sure meet me come on yeah we had so much fun together but we're also different so the trip wasn't without some frustrations probably the roughest day was wednesday when we were going from florence and headed to la spezia which is just below cinque terra so we made reservations at this private beach club that annette told us about it's called echo del mar and it's between these two mountains but as we were leaving florence we just hit one snag after the other we got stuck inside a roundabout you got it, you got it. And then, yeah. Oh my gosh, we're out, y'all. We're out. Five hours later. We were in that craziness. Stuck in a toll, got majorly lost, and we didn't pull up to our hotel until 3 p.m. 
And by that time, I was really hungry. And we were paying a lot for the beach club when we were already more than two hours behind. So we get to the beach club, I think around 3.30, and we find out, oh, they're not serving any food. Not until dinner at 8. And of course, remember, I was hungry. So everywhere else was closed for siesta. Somehow, Beth managed to sweet talk a chef into making us three pizzas. And man, we downed that and we loved it. The beach was well worth it, though. The greatest tip that I can give for traveling with others probably is to over-communicate. Because at one point, Brooke said, you know, I kind of feel like it's all my fault we got lost. Or she said something along those lines. And Beth and I were both like, whoa, no way. We're not blaming you at all. We're in a foreign country. Everything is in a foreign language. It wasn't her fault anyways. And we aren't familiar with any of this. It's just a challenging situation. Stuff happens. But I'm so glad she verbalized it because it gave us a chance to clear the air to let her know we're not blaming her. And I hope that allowed her not to blame herself or feel bad or anything. Make sure you communicate your feelings, desires, expectations, and just be open to compromise. Also, it's okay to like take some time apart if you get into one of those situations. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, then you probably saw a snippet of my biggest fear, driving in Italy. So due to the podcast equipment, the distance of Annette's fortress from Pisa, I decided to rent a car. But when I looked at my rental car receipt, it said manual. Um, hmm. I don't know how to drive a manual transmission. Um, When I called to see if I could change it, they said it would be another $800. So I was like, guess what? I'm learning to drive a stick shift. Problem was, our car that was a stick shift, Mike's Jeep, it was in the shop. It's a 2001, and he's never going to say goodbye to that car. So by the time it got out of the shop, guess how long I had to learn? Three weeks. Okay. Now since the stick shift is in here, you can take your foot off the clutch. Okay. Okay. Now you're idling. Yeah. And now you can actually keep your foot off the brake if you want, because why? Right, because neutral, I'm not going anywhere, unless I'm on a hill. That's one answer. The other answer is... I don't know. Because the brake is on. The what brake? The the emergency brake. Yes, the parking brake. The parking brake. That video was two days before I left, and realizing that I was going to either pee in my pants or poop in my pants, if not worse, if I just had to get on the interstate, I was like, you know what? I'm sucking it up and I'm forking out the $800. So glad that I did because the roads are so small there and the roads leading up to Annette's were just really windy and steep. I mean, it's the northern Tuscany countryside. So that's just par for the course. Well, when I first got on the Autostrada, which is the Italian interstate, I went super slow. I mean, I just wanted to take my time, get a lay of the land, plus I was sleep deprived, and I was driving to Annette's. I was so impressed with how nice Italians were. I mean, just like the Southerners, they were waving as they passed me, and I'm thinking, wow, I really love this place. They're just like Southern Georgian people. So when I told Annette how kind and Southern Italians were with the waving, she goes, Heidi, Italians don't wave. That's their version of giving you the bird. They're saying, get over, you slowpoke. <laughs> Whoopsie. Overall, I felt really good with my driving. 
Even at Florence, I did go down a one-way street twice. However, all my attempts at staying cool and collected during that time, they came to a head when we were trying to leave La Spezia Friday morning headed to Luca. This is the breakdown. I'm sitting here crying because I couldn't get out of a parking garage. <laughs> I know that sounds so crazy. I've done so well. Got some unclear instructions from our hotel, and I got stuck in the parking deck. I know that sounds ridiculous, but listen, I, multiple attempts were tried to get out. Italians were honking at me, waving in quotation marks at me. I was causing a traffic jam. Then the machine ate my enter ticket. So the hotel had to give me this other ticket that took care of all that stuff. The machine said that that had expired. And all of this transpired over almost an hour. Well, since I was crying in my car in the parking deck, Brooke came down and she brought me another ticket that finally worked. And there is no greater joy than seeing a sliver of light after being trapped in a parking deck. It was quite dramatic, but everything worked out. And I'm convinced that maybe hell is getting trapped into a parking deck. So I learned a lot about the Italian culture and their food. And one of the cool things that I got to do was Annette took me to Frentoio Moro to see where they made olive oil and grind flour. First of all, let me talk to you about the flour. So I watched how all the different types of flour and cornmeal were, cornmeal were ground. And listen, for all my gluten-free people out there, guess what? During my time in Italy, I had gluten every day. And not only did I not have any of my usual symptoms, a headache, digestive issues, but I also didn't even need my usual supplements for digestion. There are a couple ways that wheat in Italy differs from American wheat. First of all, American wheat has 15% gluten, whereas Italian wheat has 10%. And glyphosate, which is found in uh, Roundup, that is actually banned in Italy, so it does not get put on the wheat. I don't know all the specifics, and I don't know all the studies, but all I can say is that it was so glorious to be able to eat a donut and focaccia without feeling sick and bloated and icky. So then we got to see how the olive oil was processed, which was really So neat. the one thing you have to understand is that harvesting olives is very, in Italian they say emozionale. It's very emotional. Emotional. Because you put very hard work into your olive groves. There's an olive grove actually behind you. So there's, it's such hard work that when you harvest your um, olives, when you come here, most of the people that come here have their own groves, they're private people, okay. and some of them sell, but you know, in small quantities, it's yeah. not like, you know, big production. And so when they come here, they bring their hard work, mm -hmm. and then it goes through this, it gets dumped into here, goes through this. And then First, olives are sifted through, they shake out, shake everything out, and then they're washed. <laughs> then they mash them, get this, with the pits because pits have oil in them too. That was something new that I learned from Annette. But once they mash all of that, there's not only oil, but there's also moisture or water in it. So they centrifuge it to get all of that out. Well, this is when my tour from Annette took an interesting turn and a random Italian guy that was leading another tour came in and interrupted us. 
Korean. You're coming from Korea. Hi. You're gonna get in a blog in America now. Okay, no touch, okay? Because Koreans are a different culture. They're gonna start to yeah, no touch, okay? Okay, okay. You like his name was Lorenzo, and he came in with these Korean men, and they wanted to take a picture with Annette. Then, Lorenzo invited Annette to dinner. Now, granted, Lorenzo did not know Annette at all before this. It, this just all happened within a few minutes. Now you're going you to end up on some website in the U.S. Though. Yes, Lorenzo, you are going to end up on some video in the U.S. They were relentless. So when the olive oil is weighed at the end, the most exciting or nerve-wracking part is when they're waiting to see how much oil comes from their groves. It's a, it's like Annette said, it's very emotional. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And um, it depends on some different things, how much oil you get. Each year it could be different. It depends on when the olives are harvested, the weather. Yeah, so it can be really emotional to see how much oil you get. And, of course, they came back. Louis is worried that, that they say, is it because of me that she doesn't want to come tonight? No, I don't. I, 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 I told, I, I said, really I told him. But you're a very persistent I, I Italian met. man. Tenacity. But grazie. Uh, Annette, she's she's her her tac. Oh. Or a Korean <laughs> go, woman like this. <laughs> Korean boy. I'm not sure if you could hear Lorenzo, but he's saying, she's rejecting you. It's because of your glasses. And then he tells Annette, excuses, excuses. This is why, by the way, you don't marry an Italian man. Okay. You know what that means? He's busting my balls. They have hand gestures for And I thought they were totally gone, but nope. Lorenzo sends Annette a text, several actually throughout the day, one you can see on the, on the YouTube video, still asking her to come to dinner. <laughs> Relentless. It was so funny. From there, I was able to do an olive oil tasting, which was so cool. And one of the things that I learned was how you do an olive oil tasting is you warm up the cup by just taking your hand and like going around the cup. And then you have your other hand on top of the cup so no, none of the fragrance escapes. And then you slowly move your hand off and then you slurp. And the slurp I didn't do the best job at. I'll keep working on it. Overall, my time at La Forteza, the fortress that Annette Joseph owns and hosts the creative workshops at, it was one of the most rejuvenating, inspiring five days. Annette took me to Sarzana and showed me her favorite antique shop where I got the most beautiful Italian bowls. 
We ate Panagachi in Looney, an old Roman port town. We ate the best food cooked by Chef Philip, drank the best wine from the Joseph Vineyard. I tried an Aperol Spritz for the first time, an affogato, which is, I think I said that right, an espresso and ice cream. And then we ate a meal at a bed and breakfast owned by Annette's friend in this abandoned town. It was so cool. We got to go to Fort DeMarney and shop. It's this really upscale area. And in Fort DeMarney is where we saw a woman riding a bike in heels, in a dress, and eating gelato. I mean, you can't help but be creative in the most gorgeous setting and surrounded by such creative people. But one of the lessons that has changed my week-to-week time at home is that Mike and myself are eating dinners at the table more. I know this is such a weird thing to change, but family is so important to Italians, and meals are the time that you really strengthen the bond of families and friends. And because it's just Mike and myself, we've gotten into this habit of eating on the couch while watching a show. So instead, we've been actually sitting down, eating, talking, and laughing, and it's been the best thing. Before I wrap this episode up, I just need to share some highlights from the rest of my trip when my friends met up with me. So we met up in Florence where we walked a million and two stairs for the most beautiful view of the city from Piazza Michelangelo. It was Men's Fashion Week, I know, rough for us, in Florence. So we also saw some very handsome fellas. When we walked up to the Ponte Vecchio Bridge, it was built in 1345 and the only bridge in Florence that survived World War II. The street was covered in gold, apparently because of Fashion Week. Now the next thing, uh, I have seen some beautiful cathedrals, but the Florence Cathedral, which was begun in 1296 and completed by 1436, it took our breath away. Our second day in Florence, we found the most wonderful antique shop, El Cancello Forenza, with designer clothes, purses, and this parasol that Brooke found. And the owners were so nice. They let us take some pictures with it. It was so fun. Then we headed to Boboli Gardens, which is the largest garden that I have ever seen. And the layout and the design of it inspired so many other European gardens, including Versailles. And this, you may know about Florence, but they are famous for their leather. So we went leather shopping. I bought a wallet for myself, a leather journal for Mike, and I had them engrave our initials into the leather. That night, we got to see the David. (laughs) But there's a couple of funny stories with that. So our tour guide was explaining a painting where Mary is holding baby Jesus. And our tour guide says, you will see baby Jesus holding a palm grenade. We all cocked our heads and he realized, wait, I think I may have mistranslated. (laughs) Excuse me, he says, a pomegranate. Yeah, that's better. This came right after I embarrassed myself when I raised my hand and asked why one of the statues was castrated. Thank goodness for my friend Beth, who reminded me of the term castration. Um, Because when I asked her, I said, Hey, why is that guy's penis missing? So thank you, Beth, for that. Honestly, I thought it was because sometimes the Catholic Church would ask for leaves to be placed on statues over private parts. So I just thought someone didn't want to carve a leaf and just cut it out. (laughs) The tour guide, he just looks at me and he says, Honestly, I'm not sure. I haven't ever noticed that before. Okay, guess it's just me. 
Wednesday was our travel day from Florence to Lisbezia, which was the crazy day. But we ended it with a relaxing and beautiful day at Echo del Mar, a private beach just encompassed by these mountains. It's gorgeous. Thursday, we got up early so we could hike the Cinque Terre. It's a trail connecting five seaside villages along the Italian Riviera. We ended up hiking to three of the villages because two of the trails were closed. So, 11.4 mile hike, 27,775 steps, and 151 floors after. Just past this tree. It's a really pretty view, but don't care <laughs> because the shade is better. Thank you. <laughs> Find a friend that wipes the sweat for At me. the very beginning, we had to climb a bunch of stairs, and part of the way up, we hear a girl behind us just say, Oh, sh. And another guy, very fit, says, oh, They keep coming. If you do happen to hike the Cinque Terre, make sure to end at Monterosso, not start there. Just trust me. We're about to eat focaccia in Sincratera, where they make focaccia. They do make focaccia here, right? That's what I think that's the reason. That's the point. What? Where you guys? I got it. Oh, I thought you dropped it. Oh, no, I dropped it. Ooh, how is it? So good. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's way better than pizza could ever dream of. Let me add it. After time at the beach at Monterosa, we watched the sunset at Rio Maggiore. Friday, our last day, we drove to the city of Lucca to ride bikes. I know, what's special about riding bikes? Well, Lucca is surrounded by a wall built in the mid-1600s. And now you can walk or bike along the top of the wall all around the city. It's really cool. So we biked, and it was a great day. Beth and Brooke tried limoncello for the first time, an Italian liqueur. And that night, we got into Pisa, where, of course... We had to at least check out the Leaning Tower. And yes, we did the touristy picture holding the tower up, but the best part was watching others doing their own version of that touristy picture. If you're watching this on YouTube, you get the privilege of seeing what we saw. The cherry on top of the last night in Italy, if you can call it that, was the hotel that we stayed at had AC issues, big time. Our room was registering 93 degrees. So we slept with all the windows open, no clothes on, and stole down to the lobby to get hits of AC when we could. I asked Beth and Brooke what they got out of this trip, and this is what they had to say. Well, it's been such a long time since I've traveled, and um, I said before that I'm adventurous, but I'm adventurous in a contained way, I think. I love roller coasters, but I know that I'm going to... Um, Six Flags or wherever to ride a roller coaster, but when you go to a foreign country, you don't know what's going on or what's going to happen or uh, what things are going to look like. And I feel like the thing that I gained the most of is that I have so much more to explore and that I also have a lot of control issues. <laughs> I think not knowing where things are going or what's going to happen and I'm not necessarily a planner, like, I'm not like, let's do this, 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 and this. So it's nice to have the freedom, but it's also when you're in a foreign country or even on this trip, there's been some confusion in my brain of how, where, how does that happen? Where do we go? How does, how do we get there? And, um, but then once you get there, the payoff is worth it. Italy is so extravagant and beautiful. Everywhere is. Even the alleys and, and even, I mean, especially the people 
Like you've seen and we've seen women riding bikes with dresses on, and you even saw that woman that was um, wearing high heels and a dress on a bike. Yeah, eating gelato. Eating gelato? Yeah. Even, this is, I don't know what it'll be, but even the homeless people wear blazers. It, you can edit that out if you like, but everyone dresses well, and I mean, the shutters, all the details are perfect. And it makes me want to go back to my house and I, I want to put flower beds on my balcony. I want to put paintings on every wall possible. <laughs> I just want to fill my life with more and more beauty. There are a few things that I learned on this trip. One, beauty is worth pursuing in our lives. Now, I know that there are other priorities in your life and in my life besides beauty, but Italians truly value beauty, and there was just something that filled me with so much joy and inspiration being around that. And it's not just me, but the whole world has been inspired by the beauty of Italy. Just think of the Boboli Gardens. And looking around at some of the buildings, I remarked to Annette that I loved some of the stripes and patterns, and she said, you know, even if Italians aren't wealthy, they find ways to make things beautiful. Painting stencils, stripes, other patterns— that allows them to do it on a budget-friendly way. So it made me start looking for ways to add beauty to my own life without sacrificing budget or neglecting priorities. And I've just started doing it in small ways, like picking herbs from outside to make a simple arrangement for dinner or dancing a little in the kitchen. The second thing that I learned or was reminded of is travel is worth it. It's worth taking time away from work. It's worth the money. It is worth it. It's scary to travel overseas, especially, I mean, being in a foreign country. That's a lot to think about. But there are ways to do that to lessen what you have to worry about. I mean, if you just sign up to go to Annette's workshop, she's got everything figured out there for you, and she's a great resource. If you can push past that initial fear or worry, travel can be one of the most enriching experiences. It has this weird way of expanding your heart. It adds adventure to your life and fills your book with stories. This Italy Chronicle series has been a diversion from the usual podcast topics, but I hope that you've enjoyed it. Please let me know either way. And if an opportunity comes up like this again, I want to know if it truly is something that you'd be interested in. So share on social, email me, or just post in the reviews. In two weeks, I'm very excited to be interviewing Monica Kaufman, the South's first African-American female anchor and breast cancer survivor. Until then, have a great week. And if you're watching this on YouTube, keep watching because I've got a couple bonus videos. I just said adios. Adios in Italy. Oh my goodness.